welcome in and thanks for joining us once again on the Red Rock Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, October 12th. The fall weather is here. Got some nice drizzly cold very rain cold, out there. Very cold. Not fun for a bald head, I will tell hmm. you that if you've never experienced it. Rogaine. Stick with Rogaine. Grogaine, okay? Grogaine. Grogaine. That's even better, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am Jared All. Alongside me, as always, Connor Holzkamp. Hello, hello. And Nick Soaps on the ones and twos. Two weeks in a row? This is Synergy. This is how we do it. Um, most workplaces just expect people to show up <laughs> two times. I've, I've in used a row. all my PTO on this yeah, show, I think. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't allotted any, so yeah. Mm. I must uh, not negotiate it very well in my contract. No, that's a that's a mistake on you yeah, over there. No, I no, actually, true story though, every job that I've ever gotten, I've gone in to and tried to negotiate extra PTO. I like my time off, man. Gotta have I it. have to get away from the, the the company, the job, the world sometimes, you know. They don't usually respond very well though when you're a new hire and you come in with negotiations yeah you like to do that in the interview no not the interview (laughs) i just when they tell me i'm hired you know and then Mm -hmm. i'm like salary Mm -hmm. and we're talking that i'm like oh yeah also i'm gonna need two weeks of pto the salary is great love the salary need some more time off yeah (laughs) honestly knock off five g's on that that's fine i need an extra week that's essential that has to happen yeah see my, my work actually uh is amazing in in terms of treating you like an actual human being which is really fortunate you know one of uh, some of my jobs that i've had have actually been really nice to me like that uh and i've had uh, you know i fortunately had some some bosses who will actually do that they will they will say hey if you want to take some more pto as long as you're getting your work done it's all good just uh you might have to knock off a little bit of your paycheck but you know and no company is better at that than Woo's Media, okay? Ooh. The one and only best media company around. If you guys don't know already, this is a Woo's Media podcast. If you want to find any other shows, you can find them online at woosmedia.com. That's W-O-O-Z-E media.com. Oh, I like how you did that. Was that, that, was early. that was smooth. That was smooth. You got it right in early mm-hmm. because I get yelled at. I'm terrible <laughs> at plugging anything for the show. So got it in early. We are also at Red Rock Sports. One. I'm on a roll. Yeah, I'm just yep, keep it at going. Red Rock Sports One. If you guys haven't already, go find us on Twitter. But we do have a show to get to today. I think it's appropriate to start as we have done the last few weeks. Let's talk about how the Broncos did this weekend. It was yeah. Yeah. I think that's the best way yeah. I can describe it. Uh, yeah. Broncos lose to the Steelers 20 to 27 to 19. They had a chance. They did. They had a chance at the end. Uh, and, and, and Teddy two gloves throws a uh, drew lock esque throw uh, in mm. the end zone and mm. uh, seals the deal there. So I kind of want to just approach this game in looking at what concerns we take away from what we've seen in this game so far this season. The Broncos now fall to three and two and frankly, haven't looked very good against good competition. What concerns, Connor, do you have coming out of this game? Oh, man. Uh, I think, first and foremost, the the coaching staff. Uh, one, one thing that comes to mind, okay, and I know that I know that people have beaten this to death around the world at this point, around uh, you know Broncos country, which but, is the world. That's which is the other. world. It is, yeah, it is the world. Yep. Uh, a play that sticks out to my mind. There's there's actually there's three plays that stick out in my mind. Okay, one the first one is coming out uh, where and I'm not going to go in order here. Actually, I'm going to go a little. I'm going to go all over the play. I'm going to adventure. We were just talking Star Wars yes, before we the were. show, we so were. this is a little bit along so, those lines. Okay, so the first play that sticks out to my mind was 
when Von Miller ends up covering Chase Claypool in the slot and, and of course, gets burned and, and gives up a really big play. Now, when you look at that play, that was the wrong personnel. It looks like me playing Madden. It's like we there's a four wide receiver set and the Broncos stayed in their base defense. That that is co- that is me playing Madden. I mean, truly, that's why I get beaten Madden. I'm all so the time. confident in my Madden oh. skills, I never switch out of base defense. Right there, you, there you go. So so that's that's where I'm at. But that is absolutely just that's on the coaches. That's a coaching error. That is a defensive well, and, coordinator, and Vic me, Fangio I, I, error. I, I want to stop you there a little bit because I think fans get too caught up in that. There's a reason why a guy like Von Miller at times ends up in coverage. Oftentimes, it's a it's a blitz from another side. You know, maybe your middle linebacker is blitzing. Maybe you're blitzing a DB. So it puts a typical edge rusher in coverage. There are ways to disguise that. You don't make it so well, obvious pre-snap that hey. That's a, a defensive end right there on, on right. one of our best receivers. Well, and, and, when you and can you see that pre-snap, Roethlisberger is going to jump on that every time. And, and to your point, you do see Von Miller going coverage every once in a while, right? But you don't see Von Miller out in the slot on coverage with a four-wide receiver set. That's right. the, I mean, that's the key. It's a four-wide receiver set. You take out a defensive lineman. You put in another linebacker or a D-back. Or again, if you're doing some sort of zone blitz, he should be in a... Uh, you know, a flat coverage. You know, he should not be dropping with that receiver. He should not be taking a receiver in man coverage. In no, and, and I think they should have called a timeout. I think that's a that's a moment where you call a timeout. You got Rick Dennison up in the booth looking at Banjo it. Banjo has never had issues using timeouts appropriately. <laughs> oh yeah, no, exactly. So they, I mean, that so that was one that that stood out to me as just poor coaching right there. Right. Um, another thing that really stood out to me is, okay, so the Broncos give up a touchdown. On the first drive of the game, they come back down to start their offense. Very first play, delay of game penalty. I mean, it it gave me flashbacks in a much lesser way of the Super Bowl against the Seahawks when the very first play goes over uh, the snap goes over Peyton Manning's head, right? I think that was plus 5,000, by the way. Right. What's what's that? Uh, that, uh, Yeah, in Vegas. I think Vegas had it at plus 5,000. Do you think anyone got on I don't know. Interesting. Had, wait, I'm sorry. Had what at plus five? Uh, for the, the Super safety. Bowl, yeah, that first safety where it went over his oh, head. I for think the it was first like, play. yeah, gotcha. plus 5,000. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's interesting right there. So I'm going to start betting that every Super Bowl <laughs> yeah. moving forward, maybe it'll happen again. So, so, so that was a, a concerning thing to me. And honestly, I mean, that falls on, on Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, you would ex- that's something I would expect from a Drew Locke, right? Well, I don't expect that from the veteran quarter. That these are the types of things that your vet, the reason you go with Teddy Bridgewater is for these types of reasons that shouldn't have I get it things happen but the first play you should know what you're running more or less you got and and it wasn't like you go watch that play it wasn't like Teddy Bridgewater was like you know clapping his hands give me the ball it it, it looked as if he just had no idea that the play clock was there so that was concerning to me and then the third one that just kind of summarized the afternoon if you will was Javante Williams Breaks a, gets a little pitch to the outside. They get a, some really good edge blocking. Makes a great run down to the two-yard line. Spikes the ball. Gets another delay of game penalty. And that, I mean... I didn't like that call. I, I thought they were like getting I away like from these uh, no. celebration penalties. Well, so I didn't like that. Okay, so, so all through... I mean, through Little League, through high school, through whatever level you play football at, it is a most basic of basic rules. You cannot spike the ball unless you score a touchdown. Right, because it's still in play. It's and that, still in that play. That ball needs to be no, spotted. Right, and, and it's, it's kind of like... Uh, 
I mean, it's just one of those things like it's one of those things almost like in baseball, right? Like you don't make the first or third out at third. You just know this. If you play baseball, if you play football, you know that you yeah. don't. Spike well, the and, ball. and watching that game, actually, my initial thought when I saw that happen is the NFL's cracked down so much on the taunting penalties. I thought he was going to get a taunting penalty ah, for it. Ah. And then he didn't get that, but ultimately ends up getting to delay a game because of, as you mentioned, spiking the ball while it's in play. It's 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 foolish. It's silly. Hey, it's a rookie. He's out there. He's excited. He had a big play. I'm not going to kill him. You should still no, score no. a touchdown. I don't care. You're still You're in right. the freaking red zone. And he is a uh and he you know, he is a rookie as you said. It's I mean, I, I'll let it slide, right? It's just it kind of to me that that along with that um the leverage penalty um, Draymond Jones over the back. Uh, those two things to me kind of just summarized the day for the Broncos. It was like, just shoot yourself in the foot, do everything you could to lose this game. Right. Um, you know, they ultimately made a good comeback at the end, but it just wasn't enough. So, I mean, those are my, the, my big takeaways, uh, and, and the coaching. I think that it was pretty telling early on that the Steelers were going to let the Broncos um, attempt to run the ball or attempt to throw the ball rather. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and I'll piggyback on that because I, I agree. It's like when I'm watching this team, I'm like, is, is looks like the same crap they were throwing out there last year where it, it's like the offense just has no rhythm, no sense of establishing anything there. They're throwing the ball 30, 35, even up close to 40 times a game. Bridgewater had 38 attempts in this game. It's too much. It's too much. They were running the ball fairly well. Only 18 rushing attempts on the game. That's back-to-back weeks where they keep doing this. It's like, know who you are. This is the strength of your team. You brought in Teddy Bridgewater. You made Carolina pay a portion of his salary because you knew you weren't bringing in a superstar quarterback. You weren't bringing in a guy that could carry this team. So know the strength of your team and lean on it, and I don't think they're doing that. And and, and you know, for me specifically, when, when I look at these, this game, and it was actually actually on the defensive side that stood out to me this secondary doesn't look nearly as good as advertised it's one of the most expensive if not the most expensive in the nfl and particularly kyle fuller looks bad not like mediocre not okay he looks bad he's getting burned play after play he's constantly out of position he's constantly yeah, taking name, bad name angles. me one week where kyle, kyle fuller hasn't gotten burned for a big big and play. and and i'm starting to think back in his career with the the bears at what point did he get established as this elite corner mm. that when we brought him in, it was like, I believe it was, right. I believe it was 2018. He had a really good season. He had one year, uh-huh. right? And and like, man, I, I think we might have gotten sold a bill of goods that we got duped on. Well, at least it's a one-year contract. So and, there's good. And they there. do have some some reserves coming back. They got Dar- Darby, uh, Darby coming back. Darby was activated from the pup list but then not active for the game so you would think he'll be uh, yeah no he should, he should be back I, the, yeah he should be back and, and, and my question on that is is do do you think at any time we see Kyle Fuller on the field less as a result of that uh, I would sure hope so I, <laughs> I I hope that it is my hope that that when Darby comes back next week the cornerback that you take off the field and that starting you know the starting two cornerbacks is is fuller and Patrick Sertan seems to have established himself in there I, I saw him on the field a lot more than I saw Bryce Callahan yeah, no, he he's playing solid on the on the outside, and uh, I think they were playing Callahan a bit in the slot, in the nickel, and, yeah, uh, yeah, in, the, in that nickel back. So it was, um, but yeah, I, hey, to to your point, Jared, that way it's a disappointing feel because hey, you look at the numbers, they look okay. I mean, they look pretty good. Right. You look at these overall numbers for this defense, you're like, hey, that's a pretty good defense, but but 
what I'm seeing is a different story, especially these last couple of weeks. It's like they get burned on a couple just big plays that just gut wrench. I mean, you can't have that when you're the highest paid defense in the league, like you and said. And when you know you have an offense that cannot keep up with that. Anytime you have Teddy Bridgewater throwing over, I would say, 30 times a game, you're going to have a bad Which time. He has done in every game, I, I believe, I, except for the one he went can out I, Can I say this one thing, though? You may. So, so, you may. <laughs> well, thank you, Nick. Thank you, producer Nick. I appreciate <laughs> hey, it. He, he's the one that has to give you permission. He does. He's, you know, he's got the mute button, button for sure. Uh, no, so there was... Uh, Mark Schlereth was was calling the game, right? He was the color commentator uh, during the game, and he was talking about an interview he had with Mike Tomlin before the game, right? And then this was also reiterated by the Broncos coaching staff after the game, okay? So what Tomlin said was, this team doesn't scare us on their offensive uh, wide receiver throwing weapons. So what we're going to do, we are going to stack the box all game long. We're going to we're going to force them to throw the ball. So so I I understand your point, right? Hey, we didn't run enough, but to a certain extent, that's kind of what they were giving us. Here, here's my biggest issue with it, right? My biggest issue isn't necessarily in this game that the Broncos didn't stick to the run because they kind of were. I mean, they were. there was several times where they ran it on first down, second down, and then we're in a third and long, okay? Right. What, what I am concerned about, it took us until the, you know, really the end of the third quarter, fourth quarter, until they start opening up some deeper passing routes. Uh, and, and that, I mean, that is what they were doing. They were, they were going single high coverage. They were, they were going man-to-man on the edges. We had single coverage on our receivers virtually all game long, and we were unable to even try to take advantage vertically because when a team's going to bring up an extra safety into that box, you got to be able to burn them on, on big passing plays. And it just seems like we weren't even attempting to. Now, I think that's a little bit of Teddy Bridgewater. And I think it's a little bit that our offensive line, frankly, wasn't giving him the time to let those routes develop. I think what I, I think what disappointed me the most is uh, I was listening to the Fangio interview. They interviewed him real quick uh, after the game, and, and they asked him what his game plan was. And, and he specifically made a point to say that we wanted to establish the run. And when you run the ball 18 times a game, is that actually what you wanted to do? Um, you know, I understand that things change, but if that's your game plan, then why are we running the rock 18 times? No, it's, it, it, it is true. I mean, it's uh, to a certain extent, you are a, you have to be a product of what the defense gives you to a certain extent. Um, but, you know, I mean, hey, can I also just say this? I mean, this, this might, you might want to get your hot take ready here because this might be a little bit, a little, a little sizzling here. I mean, I know I'm going to get listeners out there that are going to be all upset at me for saying this. But, okay, the sky's not falling. I'm not going to say that. But if Drew Locke had played the way that Teddy Bridgewater played today, everybody would have been at his throat saying, this guy cannot play quarterback in the NFL. And... I mean, I think he played. What was he? He had like a like a fifty-five, sixty percent completion percentage at halftime with like sixty yards passing or something. I mean, it was. I'll agree. It was an atrocious uh, first weeks, half of football uh, for Teddy. Teddy hasn't looked good, and and I will agree with you when you listen to some of the other local media and some of the reactions from fans. It does seem like that's kind of just glossing over that point. That hey, you know what? The defense didn't look good in this game, and that that was a big takeaway for me. But the offense doesn't look good either. It looks like the offense Drew Locke was running last year. Why is nobody calling out Bridgewater? I mean, is that because he's just this veteran, or is that because maybe he's built up a little bit of grace from having three some good three weeks games, I think. to start the year? Yeah. I do think you see three or four more weeks of him performing poorly. 
people are going to start uh, start talking. I think about we that. need to take a step back and realize too that again we all kind of uh, again as fans kind of knew this was expected, right? This was a winnable game. We expected the Broncos to win the first three games, and this is kind of where we start to figure out how they are as an actual team. You're right. The first three teams they're not they're not jokes, but certainly we can agree that they were be you know more they were than jokes. They, <laughs> they were more than winnable. <laughs> um, and so again, I I I would like to speak for all of us when I say we I think we all expected to win this game. So, yeah, uh, I mean, hey, well, I, I was I mean, hey, our listeners can rewind back uh, two episodes ago. We actually right before the Baltimore game, we had predicted what happened. And, you know, hey, I, I will say I'll throw it out there. I had the Broncos losing Baltimore and I had them losing against Pittsburgh. I did. I had them losing both games. If you listen two episodes ago. So we are kind of right where we thought we'd be. It's just, it's disappointing because you see winnable games yep. and then you see these. Pl- what, what we see is kind of the same thing, right? What we're seeing coaching staff that's getting out coached. Uh, and then we're seeing, we're seeing these, these players that are supposed to be producers for us, big producers, not playing well. Uh, Justin Simmons comes to mind. Garrett Bowles comes to mind, not playing well right now, right? We get Kyle Fuller in here. He's not playing well. So, so to me, what it's not necessarily the losses that are disappointing. It's the fact that these quote unquote bright spots on our team are not playing well. And then we're seeing the same type of stuff as last year with our coaches not playing well. We're not getting enough out of our quarterback position. I, it's just, you know, I've said it before. It's kind of like that whipped dog mentality, right? It's just, I feel like we're seeing a lot of the same things that we've seen. Well, and we talked about it. You, you referenced it a few weeks ago where we looked forward ahead over like a five-game stretch. And and I we did that because we felt like this is a very important, crucial part to this season. And, and, and now, okay, you come off of this loss to the Steelers. Now you turn around and have an even bigger game going in next week against a division opponent in the Raiders and the Raiders. you know, before we get to the actual kind of looking in that game, there's a couple of things I want to talk about that. First of all, I do want to give credit to Connor for the Ooh. week, uh, last credit week to winning the weekly draft. Once again, oh. uh, two touchdowns, two late touchdowns for the Broncos. Uh, both in the fourth quarter. Now, do I, I get any interest on that credit? It's just like uh, the fantasy where you have, you know, you're up, to, you're up twenty twenty five, yeah, and you know you're playing Jonathan Taylor, and then the first play of the game. Not that this happened to me. Not that I would have any reference frame of mind, but it's. I hate that. I hate, <laughs> I hate it for you, right? <laughs> um, I know we want. We're gonna get to our weekly draft here. Can I? Can I just say one last thing about this Broncos wrap? Okay, get that mute button okay. ready. Okay. Well, no, no mute button. All right. <laughs> so it is. It is. It's bad. Okay. But at least we aren't as bad. At least we are not the Jacksonville Jaguars. Stout of the week. Stout of the week. Hey, there it is. At least we're not the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right. I don't know any stat involving Jacksonville. I'm actually like very intrigued now because <laughs> it, it, it's getting ugly out there. The Jacksonville Jaguars have had 287 calendar days since they scored a field goal. (laughs) 287 calendar days, and with their loss on Sunday, it is now their 20th loss in in a row, dating back to last year, which is the third longest losing streak in NFL history. Wow, like and it. It, you kind of miss that because it gets split over two seasons. You know, I mean, they lost fifteen straight to end last season, and now you pick that up, and you kind of like forget that this is still an ongoing streak. Oh, it's still a struggle. And honestly, guys, 
I I don't know how many and, wins they have. And now you now. got grabby hands, Urban Myers, and I I like uh, I like <laughs> this. I saw this on uh, Instagram actually. They had a quote of um, Urban Meyer specifically saying that we're desperate. We're desperate for a win. We need one. And then the quarterback comes and says, "We can't get desperate." We need to not get desperate. So. <laughs> that's good. That's hilarious. Good. That's, that's that's good. Hey, that is a team. Tell me, that is, tell me that's not wild though. Two hundred eighty-seven days since a field goal. Wow. I saw that and I was just like, my mind was blown. And is it like, are they waiver wire pickup? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're due. They're due. <laughs> so hey, things could be worse. Broncos country. I just want to want to throw and, it out there. You know, the Pro Football Focus still has the Broncos rated tenth overall on their rating scale. Um, still, after this loss, and this was before Monday's game, I, so Monday I, hey, might have changed I, I have it. a lot of respect for pro football focus, but mm. I just downright don't agree with that. Yeah, well, you know, I, I this is still, this isn't the worst it can get. No, okay? and, and, <laughs> and there, are, <laughs> there are very winnable that. games coming up in the next few weeks, and that's where it's, it is. It's crucial for the Broncos to bounce back. After back-to-back losses, you can't let this thing start to get out the rails because I think if the Broncos, you know, if you look over the next two weeks, they have the Raiders and the Browns. You go lose both of those games, that's four straight. You now have a losing record. I think the season's just kiss it goodbye because it's going to go off the rails. I think it gets worse and worse from there. If you can at least get one win of the two there, especially if you can get a win against the Raiders, that division opponent is huge. Uh, it's it's at home, right? At home? It, it is, is at home. home. Yeah, it's home. I will be I mean, there in my seats. You, you have to. You I'm cannot nice lose this game. Yeah, um, so real quick, before we get to the Raiders, I kind of started touching on it, and Connor had to get his stat of the weekend. Huh. Very good one there, Connor. Although that's twice in a row now. You veered away from Colorado sports. So. It is, it is, but really getting out there. That was okay. a good one, though. Around the country, yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. Hey, it, it helps to to pick on those weaker than you to make yourself <laughs> yes. feel better. That oh, is, a bully! Uh, advice yeah, for yeah. everyone yeah. out there: if you're ever feeling down about yourself, find somebody weaker, pick on them. Yeah. Always works. Yeah, Always good. makes you feel better. Uh, so last week, we we in our draft, we selected the total number of touchdowns that would be scored. Connor nailed it with two. The last pick, by the way, mm, and pick. Connor gets it with two. So Connor now leads on the season. Two soaps, you got one. I'm bringing up the rear here. I'm the not old goose doing egg. Very good with this. So it's technically um, like a zero asterisk because you were gone for the first one, but yeah, yeah, still zero. It's, it's okay. I, I, uh, yeah, I'm not setting these or anything. <laughs> I have no, uh, no, uh, contribution to this whatsoever. So this week, I want to go to the defensive side of the ball. Okay. On the, oh, how do we decide who's picking first? Am I, am uh, who I, picked last last time? Let's do that. Connor. Connor goes he's first. Winning? Okay. Okay. And then we'll go soaps. You'll go after that, yeah. and then I'll go last. Okay. So, who will be the leading tackler for the Broncos this week? And I want to put a caveat, two things in there. Okay. First and foremost, solo tackles. We're talking solo oh, tackles. Solo. Okay. Wow. And with this one, I will do it if, if the three guys we select. Art, the leading tackler, will go whoever has the most of the three guys. Okay. okay we'll win. There you go. Okay? Connor, you're first up. Who will be the leading mm. solo tackler for the Broncos this week? You know, I... Let's see. The Raider... I'm going to go Alexander Johnson. Okay. Any any reasoning behind that? Uh, he's leading the team in tackles ah. this year. So <laughs> That's a smart approach. That, that helps. Uh, and, and, and also, you know, I, I think a lot of times the safeties get more involved with, with heavy running teams when teams are going to try to run the ball down our throats a lot more. Uh, whereas I, I think that the Raiders, are, yeah, I think Alexander Johnson's going to be uh, in the blitz game, and I think he's going to be into, into a little bit of coverage uh, and zone reads. So I think 
Yeah, I think Alexander Johnson this week could be a good pick. So, but mostly because he's and, leading in tackles. I'm going to be straightforward. Just for the here. record, I'm using ESPN for my stats. So next week that that'll be the category. I, I know sometimes tackles are and solo tackles are a little more uh, uh, in the gray area, but yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. going to go off of ESPN for that. Okay, because they know everything. Okay. Yeah. All right, Soaps. Who do you got? All right, I'm going to go safety. Kareem Jackson. Ooh. Okay. Okay. No he reason. getting in the safety. Okay, a lot, lot of plays. He seems to be in most he of the plays. He is second on the team in tackles, yes. okay. I believe. Um, I'm going to stick with the safety group. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy who's not played that well so far this year, but last week got a little more involved, made some plays, was second in the team in tackles last week, and that's Justin Simmons. Ooh. Okay. I think Justin Simmons is uh, He's realizing he's got to step up his game, yeah. and I think we're going to see him come on. He's a better player than and, what and we've I seen believe so far. he is third on the team in tackles. So we just went one, two, and three. Look at us. Look of at course, us. obviously, because we're geniuses. How, how do we know? Uh, we, we talked to Urban Meyer a little bit uh, before. I think that is a good way to segue into John Gruden. Man, John Gruden this week steps down from the Raiders. We're not going to talk too much in the details. Uh, the reference to Urban Meyer is, is brings up some of the details. <laughs> um, but... Bad stuff. I mean, emails leaked uh, of things he's saying, uh, you know, racist, sexist, homophobic comments. I'll leave it at that. Uh, he steps down. Obviously, he would have been fired had he didn't, had he not stepped down. So can we try to hack into Vic Fangio's email next? It's not that he, hard. He actually doesn't have uh, an email. Oh, okay, okay. The thing, that's, that's the, that's the twist with Vic. All right. Yeah. You just got to write a letter to him and in, in two weeks, you'll have an answer. Right. Yeah. Horse and carriage. Right. Yeah. So we're not going to talk a ton about Gruden and the whole situation. And, and I brought it up to these guys before the show because I don't want to say anything that gets me in any trouble. OK, in today's day and age, you never know what you can say. OK, so we all understand he's gone. He's out. Rick Basaccia. I have no idea how to pronounce it. He's Basaccio. their interim head coach, was their special teams coordinator. Uh, not an uncommon move. Oftentimes you don't see them take their offensive defensive coordinators to go into that role because it allows them to everyone to keep doing their job, essentially. So Rick Basakia is named their interim head coach. And the reason we bring this up, well, the Broncos play the Raiders this week. How much of an impact do you think John Gruden not being there, not being on this team, and this potential distraction will have on this game? I think it's going to be a big distraction. I uh, I was talking to a, a, a buddy of mine uh, yesterday, I believe, that he actually thinks the opposite. He thinks that it could rally the team to be just you know, have a next level of focus, next level of intensity. I tend to think it's going to be the opposite. I think it, if anything, it's going to be a pretty big distraction. Uh, obviously, in the NFL, you I mean, it's a short week, right? I mean, you you come after your game on Sunday, you go Monday, you, you watch a little film, get a little lift in, something like that, right? And you're out of there really early on Monday. Then Tuesday usually is an off day for most teams. I don't know exactly how the Raiders do it, but Tuesday is generally speaking an off day. And then you got Wednesday and Thursday, you work pretty hard for two days, right? So I think this, the timing of this happening, you know, kind of right at the beginning of the week, I think it's going to bleed into where they're not going to necessarily get their full uh, routine on, on Monday, Tuesday, you know, maybe Wednesday, they're going to, you know, tomorrow they'll be ready to go a little bit. But I think it's going to be a pretty big distraction. And I think it's going to, I think it's, a, it's only a good thing for the Broncos this particular week. 
And I think particularly the nature of this move, because it really was unexpected, I think kind of came out of nowhere. Right. How much was Rich Basakia preparing for this moment? And how much of a game plan does he have going into this? I think you're going to see a very vanilla approach from the Raiders because they don't have, like you said, approaching this midweek, they don't have the ability to implement and, and kind of reestablish the process with the new head coach in there. You know, I actually couldn't disagree anymore with both of you. Okay. I tend to agree with Connor's friend. Um, I think when these moments happen, it's kind of a put up or shut up. Uh, I think in these kind of moments, it's it's a, a chance for teammates to bond together. And, and there's a reason that you don't have the offensive and defensive coordinator assuming head coaching duties, right? They know the playbook. Derek Carr has been there, what, five years at this point, six years at this point. He knows the offense. Um, I, I think it's. I, I think the game is going to be a lot uh, – not that, not that the Broncos are in a position to blow them out by any means, but I think it's going to be um, a, a pretty close game. And I, you know, game plans in place, and, and you know, I, I think that's where it's headed. Is a really so close Vegas game. has the Broncos as three and a half point favorites. At least that was on what I was looking at earlier today on Bovada. It has them at three and a half point favorites at home. You got some home field advantage. So really, Vegas is putting out a pretty close game. Um, I'm going to still die on this hill that I don't think the Raiders are a good team. I think we've seen that over the last couple of weeks. They have kind of got come back down to earth after a couple of, uh, I'll even say still some flukiness and early in the season. I'm dying on it. I'm, I'm not getting off of that. So uh, I don't think the Raiders are that good of a team. And I do think this is a very winnable game for the Broncos. And I think you have to take advantage of a team with a lot of distractions and a lot of disarray. I like the Broncos and that three and a half points. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a pretty close game. Like Nick said, I do anticipate a pretty close game. Uh, Darren Waller worries the heck out of me. And it worries. The, I mean, Darren Waller is a is a problem for for every NFL team, but especially with these Broncos that seem to never be able to cover these big, physical, athletic tight ends. Um I, I, That's why I, Justin Simmons is going to get so many tackles. <laughs> good, it could right. He's going to he's going to let up a lot of a lot of catches and tackles. Uh, help my fantasy team, by the way, with with Waller. But I, I, Waller presents a problem that I, I that does scare me a little bit with the Broncos. I do like the Broncos to bounce back though with a victory in this one. I, I do. I'm going to go on the record as saying I like the Broncos in this particular game. I think the Broncos get back on track. Uh, you know, then then we got the the Cleveland Browns. After that, it's a whole different story. But but I do believe the Broncos get back on track with a win, and I'll, I'll be there. I'll be yelling with all of you Broncos country. Be screaming. I'll, hopefully, I have no voice when I come in next week. That's my goal. Yeah, I don't know. I think the game's going to be obviously really close. I think it's going to take a, a last minute come from behind win. I definitely don't think the Broncos cover. Uh, if anything, it's going to be a last second field goal. If if anything, uh, generally speaking, home field gets three points. That's just kind of how Vegas does it uh, to establish the line. But um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. And um, it, it depends on if we can stop the run and, and it depends on how coaching goes. I do really want to see this defense bounce back. I, I think that they have something to prove out there. Uh, and, and you know, the Raiders have not run the ball particularly well to start the year. Josh Jacobs has been injured, and he seems to have kind of that that knack for that so far as in his NFL career. Um, so I think it's a good opportunity, you know, to, you know, reestablish things for this defense, and, and I think that's important for them to do that. But keep in mind, 
The Broncos are a team that just gave up, what was it, 140-some yards rushing to the Steelers. And, and keep in mind, the Steelers were dead last in the NFL in rushing. They hadn't had a 100-yard rusher in like 14, but 15 games. But that's not a surprise to me. This is a rookie running back coming in. You, you don't typically see rookie running backs come in and just take the league by storm. He's getting his feet under him. He's getting more comfortable. I, I, I expect Najee Harris to have a big rest of the season for them. Okay. Yeah, well. And we who started saying. over Najee Harris at Alabama, but Josh Jacobs, of course. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, that's, that is a true <laughs> statement. But I just, I don't know. That came to mind when you mentioned it. You guys brought up field goals quite a bit there. Uh, did you guys watch that or get any a chance to see at least the end of the uh, Cincinnati oh, yeah. Green Bay game. Oh, yeah. Five missed field goals in the last like two minutes or three minutes of regulation and into overtime. Oh, man. That's bad. That's embarrassing. And Mason Crosby, our boy from CU. Oh, yeah. Clutch, that, though. Hey, clutch, though. He hit it. He hit the big one, you know? He did hit the – and then, uh, you know, that's kind of scary. Joe Burrow afterwards, they take him to a hospital with a throat contusion. I actually haven't seen any new updates How on that. How do you get a throat I contusion was just about to say in that. a football game? Is that like a punch to the throat? Oh, is that what we're how, insinuating? How is it so bad that it necessitates a trip to the hospital? I've, Wild stuff. Okay, I'm not going to call him out on this. I'm just going to throw out this hypothetical scenario in, a, in an alternate universe that doesn't exist, but yeah. like – wouldn't it maybe make sense for a guy that just like lost in a game that was kind of a, a tough one that he played really well to like maybe he wants a little attention, man. Maybe he's like, Oh, oh. my throat. Jared in so his tinfoil hat. We Jared, Jared so loves his tinfoil hat over I here. I better go to the hospital. No, I'm not going there with you, Jared. I don't think I'll be fine next not week. I'm going there with I'll you. I'll be fine. <laughs> this is Paul Pierce getting carted off of the field or off of the court and then running back on a well, couple plays later. And, and okay? need, need we, we need to remind the audience that it was a shoulder injury that had Paul Pierce go out. So he got carted off of the court with a shoulder injury <laughs> yeah. and then hey, came right back and then arm. made like two threes. I don't know. <laughs> or, or, or the Garrett Bowles crying coming oh, off yeah, with his knee. Yeah. And then he's back in practice on Monday. Yeah. Uh, That's a warrior. No, we're a warrior for sure. No, I, uh, I actually think, Jared, I think it's more that the NFL when there's something that happens and it's a lingering injury after the game, I think they, it, I think it's a very like no tolerance type policy. Like you go to the similar with the room. concussion where you got medical staff that steps in. Right. Says, I think there's like a there's like a checklist of things. Like if, huh, if there's anything going on with your neck, I wonder how many people sitting head, in the emergency room got pushed as a result of uh, Joe Burrow needing to go in for uh, at, at least three. MRIs. Over under on that two and a half. Okay, I'll take the <laughs> over. Yeah. We will get to some over under here coming up. Here we're gonna talk some Denver Nuggets, and I'm gonna get these two guys who know a lot more about basketball than I do. I'm going to throw some uh, over-unders, some predictions, get some info for you guys. But before we move off, I want to go a little more around the NFL, but relating back to the Broncos and the AFC West, the, uh, I almost said San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers. Mm, good save. They're looking good, guys. You did just they say San Diego. Looking, well, I, I did, <laughs> but you know what I meant. Got okay. him. Got me. Got him. Um, so the Chargers have a big win uh, that they frankly should have lost. Let, let's be honest. They, they should not have won the game. But they do get a big win against who a lot of people are thinking is one of the top two or three teams in the AFC in the Browns this year and are now 4-1. and one. I think everyone's concern going into this year about the Chargers was two things. At least my concern was, can Justin Herbert show again what he showed as a rookie? A lot of times you see that sophomore slump. And can they stay healthy? I know we're only five games in, but so far you can check both of those boxes. 
how good are the Chargers? How concerned are you as a Broncos fan? And how much do we believe they can actually compete? Oh, I'm I am huge on the Chargers. I have I am a big Justin Herbert fan. I think I went out and drafted him in three out of my five fantasy leagues this year. I am smart player. I am in love with I, I really I truly have been a huge believer in in Herbert. And you look at him, I mean, last three games. 12 touchdowns, zero interceptions, and he's 3-0 and against the Chiefs, Raiders, and Browns. That is a heck of a three-week period. He is playing. Justin Herbert is playing like an MVP right now. I mean, he You is, know what? You legitimately have to right now. If you were going to stop the season, I mean, I know that's a stupid thing to say, but you're talking Kyler Murray, you're talking Justin Herbert, I think have to be at the top of that list. It, Brady, obviously. Brady, and then uh, and, and maybe even like a Dak Prescott. Uh, possibly in there. I mean, they're they're all having great seasons, yeah. but but I would no, say Dak, that just pencil Dak in for uh, comeback player of the year. That, <laughs> right, that's right. his award. No, He's for sure. It. But but I am a, a believer in this. T- I mean, I think they are so explosive on offense. You got Mike Williams, who is just making plays. You got the the old grizzly grizzly vet and Keenan Allen, who's still playing at a very high level, making some great catches great for him. Great beard. Great beard. It, strong beard game. Very strong beard game. Although, I have to think, if I'm an NFL player, like, I had a... I, I, for those audience, you guys can't see me. I have a... Have a I don't want to say great beard, but, you know, it's okay. No, it's a pretty um, great beard. Uh, it uh, it sucks wearing a mask with this beard. I thought about just getting rid of it because it's a disaster when you take it off. I can only imagine with those chin straps, I mean... <laughs> they uh, make masks for people with beards. Yeah, not... not it's like a catch-all. Yeah. I always but, wonder that when I see Zeke Elliott... Because yes. it always looks like his beard is just like crunched up in and his And I will tell you from somebody, it doesn't just like bounce back, man. Everyone, you guys know with your hair too, you know, it doesn't just bounce back. It's, you got to wash that. You got to deal with it. It's a oil process, it. man. And uh, I wouldn't go through that if I was an NFL player dealing with that on a weekly basis. Okay. You know, Side I, note. I think, I think the Chargers, to get back to him, I mean, I, I, I am, you asked how concerned I was from a Broncos perspective. Not all that concerned because I don't think the Broncos are going to be even in the same category. No, I, no, I yeah. don't. I really don't. That's well, well put. And and but I could see. Hey, I could legitimately see a situation where the Chargers win the AFC West this year. No doubt about it. I think their defense is playing at a really high level right now too. Uh, you know, relatively. I mean, they're they're playing better than I expected them to be playing. Here, here's an interesting take. I'll, I'll 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 agree with you. I I think they have a legitimate shot to win the AFC West. I don't know that they're legitimate Super Bowl contenders. And that's that's to me still a young quarterback who's not been there, a team that's not conditioned to win. I, I don't know that once they get in the playoffs, this type of offense and this type of winning can be sustained. So I absolutely believe, because especially because the, the Chiefs are stumbling a little bit, and I know they'll bounce back and they'll be ready come playoff time. I could just see the Chargers maybe peaking at about week 9, 10, 11, and starting to see a downward turn once you hit that the December-January games. I mean, if you look at their schedule, they got a big game against the Ravens, they play the Patriots, should be winnable, and then the Eagles, all three winnable games. I do think it's a little early to be touting them as – AFC West, I, I I don't think that the Chiefs can play any worse in the sense of turnovers, things like that. I'll be curious to see how this game on Sunday goes with the Ravens. So, Yeah, and I will say, too, in terms of Super Bowl contenders, I don't believe anybody's getting past the Buffalo Bills this year as of right now. I mean, the way that they are playing right now, they look to be pretty it, close to unstoppable. I mean, I, I actually look at the, the Chargers in a very similar light to where the Bills were last year. Like you're on the cusp, and I think right. you 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 t- 
teach your team. It's a weird thing, but like anyone who's played in sports understands it. Like you have to learn how to win. You have to condition yourself to be expecting to win every week when you show up. And I think they need to do a bit of that. And you go through that, maybe add some of the right pieces, make some of the right moves in the offseason, and the Chargers could be very dangerous in the coming years. Name of the game is health. Mike Williams, healthy. Austin Eckler, healthy. Line, pretty healthy. So again, we're five games into a now 17-week season. We're a third, just under a third of the way through. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Chiefs are always going to be there. We'll see. Okay, I have expressed that I'm not a huge fan of this whole 17-game season, and there's so many different levels of why. It's the the easy math. I can't be like, oh, we're a quarter of the way through the season. Here's where we are. Oh, <laughs> we're halfway through. No, you're never spot on with that. I mean, can we, can we at least go to 18 to where we can break it up into even chunks? <laughs> I like to I like to break yeah, out. Yeah, I think season. you should write him a strongly worded letter. I think they'll listen. I, I think they <laughs> yes. will absolutely listen to yes. me. Just okay. don't just don't call Goodell an anti football bad word like Gruden did. I never say inappropriate <laughs> things ever, as you guys know. There's never there's no audio of me before or after the show saying inappropriate things that mm-hmm. could be used against me yeah. ever. Okay. That's good. But everyone, lesson out there. Anyone can access your email. Quit thinking this is some secure device or network that you're using to say oh, yeah. inappropriate no things or send inappropriate things. People see it. Very true. Can, can I say it? Because I know we're going to move off football here. We're going to move off football. We're, we got other stuff to talk about. Can I just one time here just mention, is is Tom Brady a human? Is he an actual human being? I mean, what he is doing at this age is unheard of. I At this point, okay, I used to be a Tom Brady hater. I mean, back when he was just, you know, kicking the Broncos ass all the time, you know, and yeah. Uh, I, I was in the camp of, you know, Bill Belichick. They're the evil people over there. They're cheating, whatever, right? At this point, I have no nothing but good things to say about Tom Brady. I actually hope that this man plays football until he's like 50. I do too. I hate the cheater label. Let me remind you, when they played the Colts with the deflate gate, I think they were up like 28 points when the <laughs> right. whole thing went down. I just, I'm going to leave it at that. Well, and I'm just like, I know I'm going to piss off some of our listeners here, but the, the Broncos aren't so clean themselves. They've had their own controversies over the years. Mm. Oh yeah, no, actually. So, so real, real quick. And I think this site was put up by a New England Patriots fan. So I will put that caveat out there. But there is a website, if you guys have ever seen it, it's called yourteamcheats.com or yourteamcheats2.com. And it's funny, they've collected a a compilation of every cheating violation from every NFL team. And when you look at it, the Broncos are at the very top of that list in terms of, of violations that they've actually gotten for quote unquote cheating. I feel like all day I've been giving out great advice and great lessons. I hope everyone's taking notes. The next lesson, if you ain't cheating... You ain't trying, oh, okay? <laughs> uh, and real quick, though, before we get off, would it surprise you to know that Tom Brady did something this last weekend that he has not done in his entire 22-year NFL career? Uh, no, because it seems like he breaks some... Care, care to take a does. guess at what that is? No, I'm try- I was trying to think that. I have no like idea. Like five tutties, right? He threw for five touchdowns and over 400 yards, and he has not done that in his 22-year NFL career. And that, that surprised me, because I looked at that, I'm like, yeah, that's a really good game, but it is kind of shocking that Tom Brady, the GOAT, yeah. has never thrown for over 400 yards and five touchdowns in a game. God, so what a loser go. up and, until And, and I week. do <laughs> think that is where you start to get the differentiation in talking on what is the GOAT. Is he the best player to ever play quarterback? No, I don't believe he is. Is he the best mm player i mean as far as it's it's the same discussion with mj and 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 uh lebron right you know is 
is Tom Brady the most talented quarterback to ever play? Is he the best thrower of the ball? He is the guy. Ever. No, but yes. he's the winningest quarterback. He knows how to win. He Wrong. understands football just about <laughs> better than anyone. Wrong. You know, I, I, he's the man. I think if you're going to make an argument for anybody else being a more talented thrower of the football, it would be Peyton Manning, or in Dan, my opinion. Dan Marino. Or maybe perhaps. Dan Marino. Maybe Dan Marino. But I still think... I. I the distinction is not even important to me at this point because it's like, man, this guy is incredible. It's so obvious. He's, so. he's just, uh, it's hands and, down. And I'm glad that just about everyone has come around on yes. that. And I yeah. was in your boat too for a long time. I he's was an anti-Tom Brady guy. Man, he is fun to watch. You, you see him away from Belichick. He's a cool dude. I'm just saying like, he, he is a great, I mean, the Bucks are just a fun team to watch and, well, and, and you can't w- hate on him. When you look at his, like you actually just look at a picture of Tom Brady, right? Go, go look at a picture of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers side by side, you would not believe that the Tom Brady is like eight no. years older and, than this and guy. And you know what? Is, <laughs> is it worth everything Tom Brady puts into his body to get where it is? No. Okay. <laughs> not at all. He, he he literally enjoys nothing in his mm. life. Because, well, he enjoys winning. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I would win more if I tried harder. I don't yeah. know. Weird. <laughs> okay. Getting away from the NFL, we have some other sports getting ready to start up. I think the Avalanche, I was just going to go Let's look. Go. I think they start tonight, tonight. don't they? Yep. Uh, tonight. Opening week. We talked with our hockey expert, Tyler Walgie, last week. I'm pointing at him like he's still sitting <laughs> in the chair. He's not actually in the chair right he's, now. It's he's okay. with us in spirit. In spirit in spirit yeah. yes so we really really dove into the abs last week we'll we'll hope for them to a, a win tonight by the time you guys listen hopefully we're you guys are, are are discussing the win that they had tonight but we're gonna talk some nuggets okay they are uh what exactly a week out from I starting think about a week out yeah yeah i think they start the 19th if i'm not mistaken so i wanted to uh you know we've, we've talked a little bit of nuggets i think we all kind of understand where we see them uh, in terms of within the Western Conference. Soaps gave his breakdown last week of where he saw them ranking in, in the power ranking there. What I want to know, the two of you, Connor, Nick, you guys know, you guys follow basketball, you know a lot more about basketball than I do, so I want to see how much you agree with uh, Vegas in some aspects, and I threw a few in myself, okay, of uh, you know over-unders, uh, who, who will kind of be category leaders uh, for the Nuggets throughout the course of the season. Obviously, it's a weird year. One of your best players, your top scorers, will miss a vast majority of this regular season. So it kind of does throw a little bit of a curveball in some of these questions. So uh, just, just to uh, kind of give credit where credit's due, any of these over-under numbers came from Bovada.com. Okay, so... It's an offshore website, which is legal in Colorado. Just throwing it out there, not doing anything legal. Um, so I want you guys to give me your predictions. And again, some of them are over-under. Some of them you're naming a player on over the course of the season for the Nuggets. Okay? Did I spend long enough bringing that in? Did I use enough words there? No, keep going. Okay. I, I can go. <laughs> I can go forever. Okay? I eat, not, Connor's not the only one that can drag out a point. Okay? <laughs> 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 okay. okay. All right. So first one. Over under 47 and a half regular season wins. Hey, I'm going to the eternal optimist here. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over. I, I like the I like the Nuggets as a, as a regular season team. And I believe I, I, that's a pretty good number. I, I'm going to take the over, though. I'm going to take the over. I like I like the reigning MVP, Nikola Jokic, coming in. I like, 
you know, I, I like what we're seeing so far. I know it's really early, but in the preseason, I really like what I'm seeing out of Aaron Gordon, uh, for example. I, I think, hey, I mean, Bones Highland might be able to come in, produce, and be a rotational piece if he can cut down on some of the turnovers. I like the over. I'm going to take the over on that one. Connor smashing the over. Soaps? I actually really like the under. Uh, I think mm. it's a really competitive uh, Western Conference. Uh, I see them right at, again, Vegas knows. Uh, I think I see right at like 45, 46 wins. Again, full 82-game season this year. Uh, they'll be right at 47. Am I the only one here that wishes we would go back to shorter seasons? Yes. Okay, good. Right, just get that out there. <laughs> okay, over under one and a half all-stars on the Nuggets roster. They really had that? Yeah, on the props one. Oh, wow. That's a good one. I say under. I'll go under. The only one I see is obviously Jokic. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't see how any other any other player other than like maybe Bones making the All Rookie Team. I just don't see it any any. Does other that player. even count? I don't know if that it does counts. not count. Okay. You know, just just to uh, play devil's advocate here with Nick Soap, I am going to go the over. I see my Bay Michael Porter Jr. Ooh. possibly taking that next step this year. I think if my I think if Michael Porter Jr. can take that step and start averaging the high 20s every game. I think he's going to get an all-star nod this year. I do. I think he has enough notoriety across the league. And that's a huge key when you're talking about making the all-star game, right? Like, it's not always who's the most deserving of, of making the all-star game. There's a lot of fan game. voting that goes there. There that. is. And, and I think and I think with, hey, with, with uh, have you guys ever seen Michael Porter's podcast? He has a podcast. It's oh, actually pretty no. interesting. I, I think he calls it Curious Mike. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of funny actually. He calls himself Mike. Yeah, I mean Mike. I shouldn't be surprised by that, but I, I, I don't know. He Michael go by Malone Michael. made it like a very yeah very true thing. <laughs> true. He did so, but Mike Porter Jr. just doesn't have the same flow to it. Also, at least he doesn't refer to himself in the third person. So yeah. that's true. So so I hey, as long as he doesn't end up missing a significant chunk of games because of his vaccination status, <laughs> then I'm gonna I'm gonna predict that he makes the All Star game this year. I'm gonna go over with two All Stars. Yeah, I, he's the obvious name that you throw in there, and I'm kind of with you there on that one, Connor. That I I think that he is. Uh, I'm very confident in in MPJ's ability to score in the regular season. I think that he's going to get his looks. He's going to put up his numbers. I mean, we saw that when uh, Jamal Murray went down last year. He's going to get his numbers. He's um, one of the best shooters in the entire NBA right now. It is a very pretty jumper. It is unreal. And <laughs> this actually leads to our next one, which is not – that was it for the ones from uh, Bovada. Okay, these are just good old me now bringing these in, okay? Who will have the highest point per game – average for the Nuggets. And notice points per game. I'm not talking total points scored on the year, anything like that. There's obviously a caveat wherever the NBA cuts it off that you can't have a guy that goes out and plays one game and, and puts up 40 points. But right. Who Howard, will, Howard, Marcus Howard can't come in and drop right. like 31 game and right. go back to the D so league. So who and, will lead the Nuggets in uh, points per game this yeah, year? Yeah, I'm going to go Jokic. You Nicole, are going to go Nicole Jokic. Jokic. Absolutely. I, I think so. Are you going to agree, Soaps? M. P Mike Porter Ooh. Bay Junior. No, so let me ask you, Soap. Uh, I call him uh, Soap. Once again, for you, it's Nick Soapriest. We call him Soap sometimes, occasionally. I'm going to ask you this, though. You had just brought the under for the All-Star game, right? Correct. Do you really see a scenario where Michael Porter Jr. outscores on a per-game basis Jokic and doesn't make the All-Star game? Yes, I think it's possible for Jokic to average like 18, like almost a triple-double like he did last year. 
Michael Porter Jr. to score 23-24. Let me remind you that Michael Porter Jr. is a true scorer. I mean, again, we can pull up his numbers, but I think relatively speaking, his rebounds per game, so, he definitely so doesn't pass the ball. He's a, he's a so gunner. So you could see a scenario where Jokic falls off very significantly in his scoring because last year he was averaging way over 18 points a game. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I think there's a I think there's a scenario where Michael Porter Jr. definitely scores more okay. than Jokic. He's he's established. He's stronger. Um, I think it's fair. That's fair enough. I think if he does, I think he's going to be an all star. I think but. if I think if Porter Jr. is leading the team in scoring, I think that's really good for the team. Uh, but again, he he's so bad defensively, and I you would like to think again, ignoring the fans' perspective, that defense does matter in regards to being an all star. But yes, Yao because Ming, they Yao, play tons of defense. Yao Ming, in the all star game. The all star game is a defensive clinic. Yao Ming made the all star. I think eight years in a row because China had um, some crazy amount of people that voted for him. So it's not even does there is it all fan voting for the NBA? No, I think it's I'd have to get the exact amount. I think I think like a third or maybe half is based off fan voting and then the other half is coaches. Yeah, and I and I think GMs. the I think it's going to hurt Michael I I'm not sure if Michael Porter Jr has the best uh prospect uh the best reputation I was going to say I don't think he's got a lot of respect from a lot of people around right. he's so in, bad defensively in things but also the way he represents himself off the court right. at times That's exactly I, I think actually though he's immature I think his a, podcast uh, no joke I've actually like listened to a few of his I've maybe like four or five episodes of his podcast I think he's doing that in part to kind of help repair some of these well, perspectives of him across the He league. had that issue with the bubble too, right? Where he complained. I think the Nuggets won the game. They might I, I actually don't remember exactly. I, I believe they won the game. It was on the comeback when they were playing the Clippers. I think they won and he was upset. And so they had to pull him to the side and be like, hey man, like Yeah, yeah. He said, Give me the ball. He said, yeah. I'm not getting the ball enough. We're not we're doing the same things and we need to change it. I mean, yeah. So and then cut to the basket. You but know okay. What I mean? <laughs> so so Nick Nick has Nick has MPJ scoring more points. I think that's a good that's a decent pick. I, I could see that happening as well. But I'm gonna still go reigning MVP Nikola Jokic. Okay. And that leads us to the next one. Those are the two obvious scoring leaders, well you would think, for the Nuggets. Who will be the third scoring leader for the Nuggets? I like Will Barton. I think that's at least right now. I think that's for me. That seems to be obvious. But again, I don't. You know, I don't know. He. Uh, it just seems like he's going to be that guy. He. He's also. He too likes to shoot the ball. I don't know if you've watched this game. <laughs> yeah, what? But uh, he likes to shoot the rock. Um, Murray's out. Bones and Island. I. I still am really, really high on him. Quick release. This guy's going to be really, really good. But I want to talk a little bit about Bones later. But 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 for right now, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on with Nick. I think it's the obvious play there is definitely Will Barton. I think he is he is absolutely the the next guy on this team that's a score. He's going to be asked to do that and that's going to be his role. So I, I definitely I, I think it's a pretty to me as long as everyone yeah, stays see, healthy. It's an I, obvious I, and this pick. is why I, I turn to you guys having more knowledge and follow this this team a little more closely. I really think Aaron Gordon is is primed to like build off of this contract like that he that. just got. He struggled last year. It was hard for him to get, uh, you know, kind of assimilated into this this offense and how it worked. And I think you see more of a focus to get him involved because Jamal Murray's like not pick. there because you need that role there. And I think he can establish himself there and, and be potentially Will Barton. I hope. I hope I you're come just, out you're of this a Will season. Barton hater. No, I was just gonna say my <laughs> hopes for this season is I come out of this really appreciating who Will Barton is and what he brought to the Nuggets this year in 
uh, Jamal Murray's absence. I could see why you wouldn't like him for me. And again, I'm reaching. They're not even close to the same player. But for me, Aaron Gordon is to what you would say Dennis Rodman is. He's a glue guy, yeah. rebounder, passer. He does all the dirty work. Uh, when he played for Orlando, he was also really, really good. He can score the rock. I'll be curious to see how he does, but he, he's, he, gonna, he's, he's going to awesome put up addition. like he's 20 awesome. points a, a night just in dunks alone. That's, he's that's so, just he, in dunks I, alone. I really His game is awesome. I, I mean, I see, I see Gordon averaging somewhere around the, you know, 13, 14 points a game type range. I, one of the big reasons I see Barton scoring more than Gordon is because I believe that they're going to be asking Will Barton to play a lot with the, the the second group that's out there as well as the starters. I think they're going to ask Will Barton to kind of take that scoring load and be the primary scoring option when the, when the bench comes in. That that I mean that's part of why I think that this is is playing out to it where does Will make Barton's a lot of sense. I think more, I, so. I think you are, you're onto something there because that is always important and that's one of the the major negatives with a guy like Jamal Murray going down is is a guy in Will Barton that maybe he's your sixth man, maybe he's your fifth guy in the starting roster, but he's a guy you can lean on to be the premier primary scorer with your second team. Yeah, I think him and MPJ are going to be asked to do do that quite a bit this year. I think they're going to both be asked at various times of the year to be that go-to option when the reserves come in. So you're going to you're going to see, you know, Jokic come off towards the end of the first quarter. I think you're going to you're probably going to see Will Barton stay out there for a little bit of a run with the uh, with the the twos and then I actually think you might see Porter come back in pretty early, you know, while you're giving Jokic that rest, right? So that, that that's why I see Will Barton being more of a scorer this year than than Aaron Gordon. Although 20 points a game. Sounds pretty excellent. I would love that. Okay, so I will take that, and I will run with it. That might be a little bit of a stretch. Okay, last one I have for you guys. Uh, We talked a little bit last week about where we see the Nuggets within the Western Conference. I want to know, where do you see, based upon record, not power ranking, but based upon record, where do the Nuggets come out in the Northwest Division? For for the listeners, the Jazz, Nuggets, Trailblazers, Timberwolves and OKC Thunder are in that division. Yeah, I have the Nuggets coming out number one in that division, and I and I guess it's it's partly because I'm not so high on the. I know Nick shares his opinion too. I'm not as high on the Jazz as I think maybe they deserve. <laughs> they might deserve more love than, than what I'm giving them, but I, I see the Nuggets. The Nuggets have always been. Uh, under Michael Malone, the Nuggets have been really good at at winning divisional games. He really stresses it. It's like a it's a point of emphasis in in his teams. I, I see the Nuggets coming on top in that division this year. It's funny because you don't really hear that so much in like basketball. You don't, but but you do with Michael do Malone. Football. You do with Michael Malone though. He he stresses it. It's a it's of big importance to him. You know he he always gets the team up and ready to play for those divisional games. I like the Nuggets coming out on top. So last week I had the Nuggets above the Jazz. I think what I struggle with is that the Jazz match up yeah. really, really well with the Nugs. So for that reason, I'm going to say the Jazz finish maybe a game or two ahead. Again, power rankings-wise, I still feel like right. the Nuggets a, are the better thing. team, but I feel like for the purposes of where they finish, it'll be a game or two difference down the stretch. All right, good stuff, guys. We will be uh, touching on these mostly as we get to the end of the year, but a couple of them along the way, maybe as we get closer to the uh, the end of the season and kind of seeing how we're looking, how we're ranking. But pretty much across the board, you guys are, are different. There was the one we had uh, Will Barton, both of for the the third leading scorer for the Nuggets. So I'll be curious to see where we go. And I'm uh, I want to I want to ask Nick before we move out the Nuggets. Yep. I'm curious what you see 
in terms of the, a role for Bones Highland this year. I like what I've seen so far a lot in the preseason. He can obviously score. He made uh, the other night. He made a a very clutch three pointer to to tie the game, send it to overtime. Now the Nuggets ended up losing that, uh, but I do believe he is he's exciting. I love watching this guy play. I really like listening to his interviews. He's a great interview. He seems to say the right things. I like him overall. But then there's that part that you look at Michael Malone and his reluctance to play rookies and he just he doesn't he he's one of those guys he kind of has a little bit of George Carl in him right where he he just has this heavy reluctance to trust a rookie with with his team and then you, you go look at Michael Malone had an interview over this most recent preseason game where Bones you know went off scored a ton of points in the third quarter and they asked him about something completely unrelated, right? Just just asking about like the state of the game. And Michael Malone, without even being asked directly, just brings up Bones Highland and goes, yeah, well, we had a bunch of turnovers. You see Bones Highland, he scored a lot, but he had six to- turnovers. And that's not acceptable. We, we can't have that. And we're not going to play guys that are going to turn the ball over. He, I mean, he actually said this. He, was, he offered it up on his own accord. So my question... To Nick is, do you see Bones Highland carving out any sort of rotational role this year? And and how does that look, do you think, moving into this season? So the thing to remember about him, he's just out of college. I hate to say little because he's not little, but he's a skinnier guy. Malone is really high on P.J. Dozier. He's really, really high on Campazzo, and he likes Austin Rivers. It certainly seems that way. So for me, assuming he can turn he can turn down, he can reduce the turnovers. I don't see why he can't slowly eke into Rivers spot. Do you turn under then? <laughs> yeah, Is that what you do? You turn around. Oh, okay. You turn around. Um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what happens because I am i don't dislike Campazzo. I just think Campazzo isn't necessarily the best fit. Uh, but he's a hustle guy, so it'll be interesting to see. You know, again, the 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 opportunity that he has is that Murray's out, so it'll be interesting to see how the first three four weeks of the well, season. Well, and goes. if only you had eighty two games in order <laughs> to figure out whether or not this guy could be think, a contributing part to your playoffs. I think to your question, the Nuggets had a lot of injuries at guard last year, and I think it. I think they kind of recognized that and went and loaded up on guys that they think can play and fit at different points. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits in that. The turnovers are a, a huge problem. That's why they really like Monte Morris. He doesn't turn right, the ball over. Right. Um, PJ Dozier was hurt all year last year almost, so it'll be interesting to see there. Um, I, I'm really high on him, but you are, you are right. Um, Malone is, is kind of hesitant, especially if you can't. Now, now let me put you on the spot a little bit here. Does Bones Highland play in the first game of the season? No. No. Okay. No, I right. think that's a strategic play from Malone's part that he will make a point not to put him in. And again, the Nuggets notoriously start slow. So maybe he's there for a spark. I mean, we know, you know, we, we liked it. Last it, year, lost four in a row to start the season. A lot of fun. Right. So I just. Malone is really high on the guys that he likes. I don't necessarily think Austin Rivers is the guy, so I think that's where you slide in. And then again, the Murray injury, if he wasn't injured, I think we'd be having a different conversation. But right. with Murray out, I think that opens the door for him, for Rivers. I think Composo is a 15-minute guy for as long. He can try and try and try. I think that's a... Uh, well, I think, I, I think, I think we're kind of on the same page with Composo where I actually think Composo is a has a place in the in the NBA. I think he is an NBA uh point uh, he's an NBA point guard, but I believe the ideal situation for Composo is like a, you know, 10-15 minutes a night type of guy on the right team and like Nick said, I'm not sure if he really is the best fit 
here in, in Denver. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Now let me put you on the spot for just two other guys here real quick. In Why the, not three? <laughs> Why not four guys? <laughs> well, Let's yeah, just go possible. down the roster. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, now, now I'm going to ask you about two other guys. Do they play in the first Nuggets game? Does uh, Zeke Naji, does he get in and get any minutes in the first game? No. No. Okay. Now what about fan favorite Bull Bull? No. Okay. Fair enough. I, I think I, I agree with you on all these. I'm not huge. Everybody seems to like Bull Bull. Apparently, he's looking really good. I, I guess it depends on, on how the, the first game starts out. I, to be honest, I don't even know who they play for the first game, so I can look that up. But it um, it all depends on, on, on how the game goes, but I just don't see a situation where it, it, it seems like Malone isn't – he's not not high on Bull Bull, but it just seems like what Bull Bull's skill set is isn't necessarily what's conducive to the Nuggets team success. Now, you, you know what I see when I watch Bull Bull? Now, he is a huge fan favorite. I, I don't know if you guys been to some Nuggets games this last year when – not all of us are as rich as you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. When, when it gets near the end of the game and the Nuggets are up or down by 10, the entire cra- crowd starts chanting, bull, 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 bull. I mean, every time, right? It Do you me- want to be that guy, though? Oh, <laughs> chanting oh I was going to say, so, so this reminds me of I played uh, high school basketball as, as a freshman, right? And I was like the guy that's like on the end of the bench that never gets in. And so I had... Oh, man, some of my buddies, they printed out flyers oh, that no. saying like, come watch, come watch Connor Holzkamp play basketball, blah, blah, blah. And they'd print them off around the school. So I would get these people come to our freshman games and the entire crowd would be chanting, you know, put in Holzkamp, and I'd get in and the, and the crowd would literally stand up and start cheering. And every, I mean, I shot it because I would only get in for like 45 seconds a That's game. That's a big 45 seconds. So you got to yeah. take every I know, shot. I took every, every time the no, ball comes Every time. Way. Every time I took a shot. And I mean, you know, I had these people. It was kind of ridiculous. So to your point, I did feel like ridiculous in, in that moment. I'm like, dang. I, I, I think, I'm not I getting think in Connor's game. new nickname might just be Bull. <laughs> yeah. So so I, I see. But, but Con- when, Connor Bull's camp? And, and you know, <laughs> hey, good. The, the majority of fans, I mean, okay, the fan is, is educated and intelligent, but the group of fans is, is are just dumb i mean that's uh, a well said right there yeah. <laughs> you know, you know so, so so when 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 you go there and you you hear them just chanting bull bull and he gets in and it's like it, it's seriously basically as loud as it's he been the jacks whole game. up a three. Oh yeah everyone loves it and then when he gets to the free throw line you hear the crowd literally chanting MVP MVP as bull shooting. And, and I, I mean, that is outrageous to me. Obviously I think I honestly think that's a little bit disrespectful to Jokic. I mean, I think that chant should be reserved. I think for, Jokic like, knows it's a MVP. joke. I know, I know he does, but it's, uh, it's one of those things. So when I watch bull bull to just to bring my last point about bull bull here, when I watch him play this preseason, right? Cause he's, he's played some extended minutes in the preseason and he scored the ball a little bit more. He had uh, one game, I believe, against the Timberwolves where he had five. I think it was the Timberwolves. He had five blocks, right? But he seems like some. So in that game where he had three, five, I mean, he had a lot of blocks. He also got dunked on twice by guys that are smaller than him. And and so I think that that just is a, you know, a, a symbol of, of how he plays basketball. He is so tall and so huge and to where he can get his hands up and block like almost any shot on the court, but he plays really small for how tall he is. So I want to ask the question I know everyone out there is thinking. 
did he gain any weight this offseason? Because he looks <laughs> and unhealthy. We, and we all know the answer to that question. <laughs> he looks unhealthy at that height weight ratio. So their first game of the season is against the Suns. So I definitely don't think that. I think it will be games where they're total blowouts. I think maybe Cleveland. It's game three. Oh, okay. Um, you, you bring up the Suns. Obviously, that was who knocked the, the Nuggets out of the playoffs last year. And I'm not saying that you take revenge out on that, but like, that's a team everyone's kind of predicting to be at the top of the NBA this year. How big is that first game? How much emphasis as a team and as a coach do they put on going out and getting that first win? I don't think it matters so much if they win or lose. I think it's how they look. Uh, you like you had That's said, such 82, a 80, coach yeah, response. Thank you. 82-game season. Like you said, long season. So... <laughs> No, it'll, it'll be. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to get it going. See, see what these Nuggets can do. And you know, hey, I'm gonna put it down right now. Put it on paper. Okay, I have it right, right here. Put your bets in. MPJ, most improved player in the NBA this year. That, that he's gonna was, get it. That was one of the. Uh, he's gonna get it. One of the Bovada. I, I believe, bets. and I know. Me and Nick had a conversation last season kind of about halfway through the season where I was talking about how I think he should be kind of considered in that upper echelon of players for that award. And, you know, Nick kind of laughed at me, if I'm being honest. <laughs> being honest Nick, gave, Nick gave me a little little crap for it. Um, but Nick made a good point, and, and I think this is a good point at the time, and I think it's a, it's a good point looking forward. That most improved player award often goes to a player who really made their biggest jump the season before. He or was, or near the end of the season yeah, before. He was he the second odds, by the way, on Bovada. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. So I'll put it in now. I'm going to put him as most improved player. But okay. I think it's it's one of those awards where you kind of make your your leap towards the end of a certain season, right? And everyone's like turning heads like, hey, they're on your radar. You don't really win it that year. But if you continue that level of play moving forward into the next year, I think that really that's where more often than not you get that award. So I like him for that award this year. So put it down. Mark it down. You heard, you heard it here first. I don't think it was first, but we <laughs> did hear it here. Okay, before we get out of here, guys, we teased a little bit last week. Uh, you know, the Rockies have obviously wrapped up their season. We're on to playoff baseball. If anyone wasn't aware, the Rockies didn't make the playoffs yeah. this year. Oh, what? Didn't lose 100 games, Jared. They did not. Did what not was lose the final 100? loss total? I, you know? I could not I don't tell have you that in front of me either. But they did make, in my mind, a very good move and in signing uh, Antonio Sensatella to a five year. Fifty and a half million dollar deal. The first question, Connor, I want to ask you: eighty-seven. Is that <laughs> seventy-four and eighty-seven? Was their score? Was seventy-four wins? Sorry, uh, five-year, fifty and a half million, so just Ooh. over ten million a year. Is that is that a big deal in baseball? I know they no. get ridiculous. No, contracts. it's not. No, he got paid. He got paid like a a middle back end rotation type piece. He didn't get paid any sort of. That sounds like a lot. I know. Yeah, that right. A lot of I know you out hear there. that, and so you think. But I kind of thought the same thing. I'm like, I don't think that's that big of a deal. No, no, baseball. it's really, it's really actually not. It's like a ground ball pitcher. Um, doesn't strike out so a lot of guys. I'm really excited about this because not necessarily specific to Sensatella. Yes, I do think he's a solid back end rotation pitcher. He's still a pretty young guy, and he's pitched pretty well at Coors Field overall in his time there. Um, but it's it's to me, it's more of a message that we've been lacking from this organization. It's a focus on taking care of who they believe are the right pieces. You know, they, they didn't do anything with, with Trevor Story, and that obviously is still potentially out there, and he's even himself acknowledged that he's not going to completely ignore the Rockies' offers. But making their first deal, signing a pitcher, bringing a guy back who's had success here, not going and making the big free agent signing, whatever, I love it. What do you think of it, Connor? I, I, I like it. I, I'm not going to go as far to say I love it. I, I like it. I, I mean, I said 
towards the beginning of this year, it's the very reason I said you're crazy to think this team's going to lose 100 games is because the pitching rotation's too good. I mean, the rotation is just too good to lose 100 games. I mean, you could be such a terrible team, but you have these pitchers. You're, you're going to be all right. I think he's a good... He, I think it's a solid move, okay? I think it's a solid move for the Rockies. I would really like to see him get John Gray, and I know Tyler Walgy over here somewhere is I sulking can, in a corner. He's not even in the building, but I can I hear him he, saying somewhere, it. Somewhere he's, he's going to be listening to this <laughs> later and just like yelling at me. He's disgusted. You know, but but I I would love to see... Uh, I would love to see the the wolf of Blake Street uh, come back and get get us get signed. But I like this. I like the signing. He's a you know Sensatella is a he's not he doesn't have a lot of swing and miss stuff. He's not a, he's not a strikeout type guy like Nick said. He's a pitch to contact, gets a lot of ground balls, and you know we have seen that recipe of pitcher work really well at Coors Field at times, right? I mean, w- one of the best pitchers. You could probably make the argument that he is the Rockies quote unquote goat for pitching. I mean, hey, this is a low bar here, okay? But Aaron Cook. I knew Aaron, you were going there. I'm like, Aaron, he's gonna say Aaron Cook, man. Aaron, you're right though. He's as far as longevity goes. And Aaron Cook's I a mean, better pitcher U- than Ubaldo Jimenez had a couple of great years with the Rockies, but he didn't have the longevity of success. And I think, you know, I think Marquez with what he's doing right now, you could probably put him in that conversation really soon. But I think the longevity of Aaron Cook and and just to be very clear, Aaron Cook is a better pitcher. He's a sinker ball pitcher. Um, he, he's a better pitcher than Sensatella. He's still a better pitcher. He was not. I mean, not currently. Now, like, what is he? Like sixty five? No, he's not that old. He's probably <laughs> like he's probably younger than Tom probably Brady. 55. I bet she's no. younger than Tom Brady. You think? That'd be interesting. I, I'd be curious. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. He's probably. I, I'm gonna guess fifty. I've gone down, but I'm gonna say fifty. Okay. And while I'm looking this up, I'll ask you. You brought up John Gray. What message does this send John Gray? Is it a positive? Is it a negative? Uh, I I think it's a pop. I mean, I think Sensatella got what he's worth. You know, I think I think if he didn't sign with with the Rockies, he's going to go somewhere else, and he's going to get about about the same level of contract, give or take. I mean, that that is the going rate for a back end rotational piece. As crazy as that sounds, I mean, you know, get, get your kids into baseball, folks, or golf, or golf. But uh, it, I think I think it sends. You know, I, hey, I I think it just shows that the. The Rockies are trying to keep their pitching staff because because of what we said on this show before, okay? You cannot get free agent pitchers to come into Coors Field. It, it's just not even in play. It's as a, as a Rockies GM, you don't even have the option in play to bring starting pitching talent to Coors Field. You just don't because... 99 out of 100 times Mike person, Hampton ruined any shot we would ever get a uh, uh, right I, I mean that's an example in. where we overpaid I mean and that's what I mean because of that and the lack of success he had here and how it just basically ruined his career I think so many pitchers would just they, you'd have to pay so much well, more I, money. I mean you know even look at some of these relief guys right like we just brought in a bunch of relief pitchers they came to Coors Field they kind of their careers kind of fizzled although Jake McGee is pitching for the San Francisco Giants in the playoffs right now and he was in a high leverage situation doing well. I think, though, from the Rockies' perspective, you are doing what the Rockies have always done. I mean, really, truly, this is what the Rockies have always done. And it's not necessarily... This might actually be one of the only compliments I will ever give the Rockies' management as an organization. They tend to pay market va- fair market value, if not a little above, to keep their their homegrown guys, their talent that that stays here, shows a willingness to to play here. They want to be here. 
I think they they tend to lock up those guys, which the, is, is is it's not a bad thing. The only downside the is it's usually a position fielder. You know, it's a player that maybe you shouldn't be paying that market value well, because of you know. So so I I think it's a good thing. I, I think it's not a bad thing. It's it's good for the these Rockies to try and keep these these this pitching staff together if they can. Right, it's a good thing. Uh, maybe you can get the. the the one thing the the Rockies from a GM standpoint have going for them is they this is kind of a destination spot for uh, sluggers who are near the end of their career, right? Who might not have an opportunity to hit thirty home runs again, right? But but they see Coors Field, and whether it's you know part fact, part fiction, some combination of either, they see their eyes get big and they say Coors Field. That's where I can go hit 30 home runs. Sell again. it. As a GM, sell right? that. And, and that's what they have. So, I mean, you actually have somewhat of a chance. And you've you've seen this throughout the years of guys coming to Coors Field to near the end of their career. We pay them for, you know, five, eight million dollars for a couple of years, right? And we, we and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But you at least have that card in play as a GM. You are not attracting pitchers to come here. So I think it is important that they lock down that starting that that staff. Yeah, and, and certainly it'll be very telling what they decide to do in this front office. Uh, they obviously have not made really any moves or decisions on on, on replacing Jeff Breidich long term. Uh, I know they, well, they have the interim GM. No, he is he's the GM. Oh, he is officially he is, he is officially oh. the GM. Yep. Oh wow. No, yeah, that was uh yep. Huh. He is he is now the wow. official. If there's like any more dud of a way for that Correct. to be announced on well, this show. Correct. Like, <laughs> no, it's all, I was all excited. No, 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 like, I got maybe it, I they got make it. a move. Yeah, there we go. Let's give him a round of No, hey. If, I, I was excited about maybe they make some Exciting move to bring in somebody that's going to change the way. Nope, nope. Nope. They did the most rockiest thing ever and they make him the official GM. Now, you know, Monford likes it because he, you know, he, he wants, honestly, what this shows us, what, what they are telling you, Rockies fans, is that they don't even want a GM in there that's going to mess with baseball decisions. Yeah. Because of they have not. their, Why they have their want- director of player personnel. They have uh, Dick Monford who, you know, officially, unofficially in the shadows, likes to lurk and place play Jerry Jones with the, with his baseball team, right? Uh, so no, no, he is uh, the the GM, and and I think yippee, yeah, and and then the, you know the other so so I think it, it's hopefully they're locking up these these starting pitchers, but uh, you know another one I know this is low key move here, but they did sign CJ Cron. Uh, they extended CJ Cron to a two-year, I think it was a two-year deal, twelve million, something like that. Okay, and I'm okay with that at low money, but I mean, I, I I'm never big on a guy that has a breakout career year and a contract year going and paying him big money. No, well, he didn't get paid big, and money. so I'm okay with that at a low deal. But it, it happens in in all sports, but it it's just there's too many scenarios. Sure, sometimes it works out for you, but there's just too many scenarios where it, the guy goes back, reverts back to you know what he was. We, we talked about Garrett Bowles before. I, I think he's an example of that. Kyle Fuller maybe is another example as well. Um, you, you see that too often when, when guys have that career year, they get paid, then they go back to what they've always been. Okay, Connor, you said 50? So, Tom, first of all, did you, does anyone know that Tom Brady's full name is Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr.? Didn't know that. Lots of names involved there. Hmm. Uh, Tom Brady was born August 3rd, 1977. Makes him 44 years old. Aaron Cook was born February February 8th, 1979. Ah! He is a full <laughs> two years ah. younger than Tom Brady. And the funny okay. thing is, is he's been out okay. of sports since like, what, like, 
the early 2000s. Yeah. I mean, he's he probably quit in his early 30s, like most human beings. He's and, no, he's no Jamie Moyer. Yeah, no. And uh, I think she, to your point earlier, you brought it up, Connor. I think that Tom Brady might be a cyborg. I yeah, don't. I, think I don't think he he's human, a human being. So. I think one of these games we're going to see his face get ripped off, and he's going to have the <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> metal. And, face. Then, and, yeah. then, and then a bunch of avocado ice cream is going to ooze out. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe that's the solution. All this the secret time. sauce. All right, guys, be sure to find us on Twitter if you haven't already. We're at Red Rock Sports One for Connor and Nick. I'm Jared. See you guys next week. <laughs>